tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren here with Brett Terpstra. Brett, how are you doing? I am so tired. <laughs> this is going to be like a classic overtired episode for, yeah. for our longtime listeners, right? I think I, I think I'm as tired as the day that we came up with the name overtired in an elevator in San Francisco. At Twitter. At Twitter? Was yeah, it? it was in Twitter. It was in Twitter's offices. <laughs> yeah. I don't I was so tired I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember. It might not have been at Twitter's offices because we had lunch at Twitter. And I don't remember if we recorded at Twitter or if we recorded at another startup. Yeah, where did we where where did we do that live episode? Like we sat down, I think it was with with Dave. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been how many years? Like eight years? Well, it's been like six, so almost seven. Wow. I know. Time flies. Totally flies. My uh, my cats, my older cat, his sister went with my ex-wife mm-hmm. and moved to Ohio. And oh. she got uh, she got very sick. And I found out yesterday that she was being put down. Oh, I'm and, so sorry. And I was doing okay with it. Like it it really brings into focus like Yeti's mortality. I was going to say, yeah. But then Aditi posted pictures of like her. Have you ever put a pet to sleep? Yes. When they like wrap them in the towel and you you do like the comfort hole as they go. Mm-hmm. Like Aditi took a picture of Jezebel in that towel. And I saw it and I just, just started crying. That yeah. was intense. No, that is intense. Um, I'm not going to judge how anybody deals with their grief or anything at all, but that's that's a lot, you know. I mean, in terms of taking the photo and like, well, I get it. When when, I too, when Emma died, I took a picture of her paw as she laid on the on the table where she eventually got put to sleep. Yeah, and I posted it with just the uh, just the tagline, uh, "You did good, babe." Yeah. Like I see that in my in my history, and it still chokes me up every time. I mean, it chokes me up just, just like hearing about it, to be honest. And like I said, I'm not judging anything because people deal with grief that way. And like I'm in no way saying like you can't or shouldn't do that. I'm just saying that is, you know, impactful. I'm not going to use the word triggering because that word is so loaded with so much <laughs> bullshit. But so you know, much I mean, snowflake bullshit. Honestly, uh, I'm so mad at both us, the libs, for like feeding into it, and also, you know, the people who've co-opted it and made it this negative term. Like, honestly, I'm like pissed at everyone for yeah, ruining the word. There is legitimate uh, and powerful meaning to the word, but it yes. definitely became a, a divisive, completely uh, a word you make fun of people with. Yes, yes. So I, I am saying like impacted, uh, you know, when you see that stuff, like I said, I'm not judging at all because I've, I think when my, my, when my grandmother was dying, I um, took a photo with my phone, which was like a flip phone of my grandfather watching her. And, you know, that was 
on that phone for for years i might have even transferred it off of that or whatever and who knows it was like you know sub megapixel quality sure so uh you know she wasn't in the photo but it was just like him watching her because it was just one of those things yeah that's intense completely right so like i get it and like i'm i'm you know i'm ultimately like a documentarian in sorts so like how i view my life so i get like you want to capture those moments i think it's good for grieving like it is like you like even with emma's death like i went through it took me like two years to really feel like i could like smile at emma's life and not feel pain about her death but Mm -hmm. it's still like seeing those images triggers feelings that i think are important to me like i think it's important to feel them it's not like i'm dragging myself through like grief and misery uh like every time i see that picture the feeling is a little bit different and a little bit more melancholy i think documenting that stuff serves a purpose i do too of course i, I forget I... everything so i have to no i think i think that documenting it serves a purpose all i mean is that like and this is the fault of Facebook, to be totally candid, is that um, when you see stuff like that on your feed or when they remind you, like you take something like you take a photo or you you document something like because you want to get through your grief. And then on the anniversary of that or something else like Facebook wants to remind you oh, yeah. a year ago on this date. <laughs> and it's like, go fuck yourself, Facebook. Like, I, I don't want to be reminded of my aunt and uncle's death or of something else tragic that happened or, or whatever. You know, I will um, say when I changed my uh, my status to single. They stopped showing me memories with my ex-wife. That's both. I I appreciate that, but I'm also creeped out by that. Yeah, a little bit. I like I have no I have I have great memories with Aditi Mm -hmm. and like it's not terribly painful for me to like it is what it is. And I kind of fortunately Apple photos in my like uh, on this day photos that Mm -hmm. it brings up always has pictures of Aditi and I. So I get my share. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that, that's, that, that's the thing. Um, like on the one hand, and I can see both, 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 uh, both, both like sides there. Like on the one hand, I could see that the Apple photo thing that could be depending on your relationship and depending on how it ended, that could actually be one of Triggering. those like, very ups- 100% like that could be very upsetting for people honestly like imagine if you were in an abusive relationship oh for and sure you just happened, and you had them in your in your you know um, it would be uh, a good history. reminder to go through and delete all those photos it would except apple like i'm sorry uh, uh not to like take this away from breast mental health corner but just to go in a brief aside um you know photos is a is a terrible terrible experience and i don't use anything else i will not use google photo or whatever so i'm stuck with you know, um, Apple photo library or whatever, but good God, if I had to go through my freaking 12 or 13 gigabytes of photos to try to delete stuff, no, like that, that's going to be a really intensive, difficult process, you know, like who does that? I'm making a note. We're going to come back to this. Um, because I have more stuff to say about everything before we talk about computer stuff but i actually yeah. do want to know I, like i'm the same I, I i only use apple photos and i really don't even know what i'm missing because i'd never try anything else but anyway the reason i'm so tired i 
So over the last couple weeks, as listeners are aware, I've had these really short manic episodes, uh-huh. like like 24 hours of not sleeping, of being like super uh, fast thoughts, uh, stay up, write code, and then sleep, and then don't get the depression. And it's been on this like one week cycle, like once a week, I'm missing an entire night of sleep. And then, you know, that ruins the next couple days. Like if I if the mania ends, and I haven't slept, then I'm a zombie, which is where I'm at right Mm -hmm. now, because I didn't sleep last night. And I don't know what's going on. And like I said, the first one of these happened before I started the new uh, stimulant, Focalin. But I can't be sure that Focalin isn't part of why this is continuing on a weekly cycle, which is like, I hate the mystery of it because I would love to know how to get off this train. Yeah, no, and I don't know what to say with that because, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess you could go off the Focalin, but then that opens up its own can of but like overall, the Focalin is working so much better than the Vivans for me. Right. Like, That's what I'm saying. I'm getting so much more focus and and actual work time out of a day now. Uh, choices. I like I, like last night. Some nights I write really good code when I stay up all night, um, like you know, to the point where I'm like impressed looking through my my commit logs. Last really? night was not one of those nights. I wrote so much bad code. Tomorrow's going to be like a whole like get bisect party to try to figure out where I broke everything. <laughs> Fortunately, I did write a lot of tests as I went along, kind oh, of good. knowing, kind of knowing that I was breaking shit as I went. So I wrote or tests to ju- prove it to myself later. Totally. Or you could just do like a get revert and just. Well, I could, I could erase the whole night, but so I was working on bunch. I've had, I've had the last few days. I've been obsessed with bunch. Um, for listeners who don't know, bunches uh, uh think batch files. You remember batch files? Of course. It, it's batch files for your Mac, but it can do a ton of stuff. Anyway, I added this thing where if you indent, is like it runs off of text files, and you basically you write out all the things you want it to do, apps to launch, commands to run, and it can run snippets so you can load in parts of other files. And I made it so that if you indent a snippet, four spaces or one tab, it will wait until every app in the bunch has finished launching before it runs that snippet. So you can do things like run a a Moom Apple script to arrange all the windows after they load. Right. And that was a whole thing of like getting into NS workspace and watching, like observing all the notifications for app did finish launching. And then dealing with all the apps that don't send proper notifications. <laughs> and it just became, it was a whole thing. It, yeah, yeah, it, it kept me up all night and I kind of, kind of solved some stuff, but broke other stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I love that idea. I'm also thinking when you just mentioned like apps that don't do notifications the right way, I'm thinking, oh, wow, you, you can, that's probably one of those features that you might be able to make work for you, but I would wonder if if you could ever get out like the edge cases for more people, which will be the interesting thing, I guess, to get feedback on. Do you you want to know what app was the weirdest? Yes, I do. Uh, task paper. 
Task paper, when you get its its NS running application, like its kind of entry in the workspace, it has no application name. It reports huh. a bundle identifier, but no application name, which is annoying because as I'm like, to make this work, I have to make a list of all the apps that are supposed to be launching and then watch for them to finish launching. Right. But I have to, I can't get a bundle ID from an app that hasn't launched yet. So the easiest way to do it is to use the application name. But of course. text or uh, test paper after it launches reports a blank name. So I can't check it off the list. So I had to do this whole thing where like I wait for the will launch uh, notification, grab the bundle ID at that point, and then store the bundle. Yeah. It was, yeah. And you can tell I'm tired because I'm babbling about this stuff. <sighs> So, uh, so other than, um, uh, staying up all night writing bad code, um, because of like your like weekly kind of manic episodes, um, and being reminded of, um, you know, deaths and, and, and having seen, um, you know, one of your, your, uh, cats, uh, put down, how else are you doing? How, uh, you know, other, other, other than, uh, other than that, how is the play Mr. Lincoln? So it, it's super good, super good. Um, Here's the here's the cool thing. We finally uh, got our kitten out of isolation. Yay! And introduced them. And she is getting along great with Yeti. She antagonizes him a little bit. She wants to play and he's too of old course. To, to give any fucks. So he, he like beat her down once in a while. But then she'll just be like, oh, okay. And then curl up next to him. And like, it's so cute. And That's adorable. Like previously with Finnegan, we introduced them too fast, and Yeti felt like the need to just move into the basement. Mm -hmm. So anytime, no, I remember that. Yeah, and 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 I felt really bad, you know, having my my like favorite cat that's been mine for like almost eighteen years <laughs> be relegated to the basement. So I'm super happy that this is going so well, and that they uh, that they're so comfortable with each other. That's awesome. We have pheromones Yeti. plugged Yeti into and the wall. Yeti and Vod, I love it. Yeah. Um, speaking of kittens, you want to you, you want to hear about something cool? I do. It's a sponsor. <sighs> it's Hell a sponsor, yeah. but I, it's a perfect segue. Like we should document our segues because sometimes they're perfect and sometimes they're hilariously bad. Yes. I just want a supercut of all of the. Speaking of. <laughs> speaking of kittens. Speaking of kittens. One of the great things about cats is that you don't have to let them out or walk them. Uh, it's it's probably my favorite thing about cats. The downside of that is that that means the cat is pooping in your house, uh, and except mm -hmm. in very rare cases, they don't know how to use the toilet. I have seen a cat use the toilet. I I have even seen a cat flush the toilet, but it's, <gasps> it was like one cat out of a, out of millions. Uh, so you end up cleaning a litter box. So. What if there was a way to have an odor-free litter box that was easy to clean and automatically replaced every month? And what if it was leak-proof but still made in, from an entirely recycled material and itself was recyclable as well? That's what Kitty Poo Club does. Ooh. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you. So every month they deliver uh, an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box. And it, it comes pre-filled with the litter of your choice. You get to choose from 
silica-based litters or organic soy litter. And I went with the organic soy litter because I'm a fucking hippie these days. Um, I live with a hippie. I, it's, a, it's a whole thing. Granola co-op and soy-based litter. So uh, the silica litter is non-toxic and also odor-preventing. Um, even the hippie stuff is making it easier to love my kitten, controlling all smells, and it is super easy to clean. They say that you don't have to clean your little bo- litter box at all for a whole month. Um, I, I don't. Maybe you can get away with that, but I, I still clean it regularly. But you don't have to change your litter every month. You just recycle it and put a new box in. And Bod actually loves it too. Uh, I tested it out by putting her usual litter box next to the Kitty Poo Club box. And she picked the Kitty Kitty. This is a tongue twister. Pick the Kitty Poo Club box almost 100% of the time. And I can't fully explain why. Cats are weird. But it's good stuff. I like it. I like it. I'm, I'm looking at the website now. And um, I, I'm looking at the, the box, which is recyclable. And it's cute. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a nice looking box i never had a cat so i've never had a litter box but that's why i'm doing this 100 percent, 100 percent. so tell us where, where can people learn more about kitty poo club well let's see you can go to kittypooclub.com and you can enter the promo code overtired and you'll get 20 percent off your first order uh when you set up auto ship and you just you get your first box in the mail you can get a refund if you hate it and uh you just start getting your your kitty litter changed for you every month it's kind of beautiful the weird stuff about the soy based litter is that have you ever had like um i don't know if they have them outside of the midwest but like these desserts where uh it's like uh pretzels covered in like white chocolate oh yeah i've had that and it like yeah, and so it's flat on the bottom because it, like, melts onto the whatever flat surface it's on. Right. That's what this soy-based litter does. Uh, when you pull the the pea balls out, they look like desserts. It's really kind of weird. I guess that's kind of pleasant, but <laughs> it's effective. It works well. It clumps really well. That's good. That's good. Well, that has to make it easier for the cleaning, right? Even yeah, you don't have totally. to clean it like if, if it clumps well, like that that's an important aspect also, of I, litter. I don't think it I don't think I have any problem with it smelling. Like I clean it out of habit more than anything. Um and our kitten poops a lot. <laughs> like I feel like if I let it go for a whole month, it would be a minefield of, of poop balls and pee balls. But anyway, thanks to Kitty Poo Club for sponsoring this episode of Overtired. Thank you, Pity. Thank you, Kitty Poo Club. Yes. It also is great hard name. to say. Kitty Poo. Kitty. Yeah. If yeah. you're really tired, it's a tongue twister. Maybe if I were more awake, it would be perfectly reasonable. I'm not that tired, and it was a tongue twister. So thank you, Kitty Poo Club. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Um, so uh, do you want to talk more about photos? Yes. Tell me. So I actually kind of like photos. It's I've never tried to delete a bunch of stuff, but when I want to find a photo, it's not terribly difficult. Plus, it's got like cool searches for like you can search for pets or search for cats and it like automatically is indexed, not just faces, but actual like 
image types and everything. Right. It's been, it's, it's pretty, I like it. I don't have a I mean, major I don't, problem with photos. I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. I just don't. Okay. Here's the thing. They finally added features like the, the pet detection and face detection and, and some of the search stuff. They added that like five years after Google photos did. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, like it was super late and I'm happy that they have it. And I understand why there are the trade-offs, right? Like Google photos is better. And, and again, I don't use Google photos, uh, for, for lots of reasons, but, um, you know, uh, one of the things about it that would be attractive would be that it has all these AI features. That's also makes it a little bit of a kind of a privacy. Eh, do you want, you know, Google machine learning, you know, and applying that to your stuff or, or, or not. And, you know, whereas Apple doesn't do that. And so that's always the trade-off with Apple, right? Like one of the reasons that Siri is so terrible is that, you know, they don't do a lot of the, the better right. machine learning stuff that, that um, Alexa and um, Google assistant and, and whatnot use. But I guess for me, so I, I, I'm with you on that. For me, the search is okay, but like, it's not one of those things where I, like, it's okay. Maybe this is just a personal nickel. I have a ton of screenshots mm. and it's not like I can ever search specifically to get screenshots, you know, it's like of a certain app or anything like that. And, I, and I'm not saying that, I don't think Google Photos or anything could do that any better. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that like, Photos isn't one of those things. Um, I've never tried to delete a bunch of stuff either. I'm just in a place where if I try to, um, I'm oh, I, 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 just sent. So I love that. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I just fine. found out that it can differentiate between kitten and adult cat. And it does a, a pretty accurate job. So it, it popped up, it surfaced a, a photo of Yeti from like 18 years ago. Oh my God. Uh, and that is that is Yeti in his first couple months of life. Uh, That's amazing. And and <laughs> was that a photo that you then added an Instagram filter to, or was yeah, that I actually think so. how? The, okay, I was gonna say I was like, because like, that'd be pretty amazing. I, it if was a photo you took eighteen years ago. You then like it was add... a paper. It was printed out. Like okay. the photo in my album is a photo of a piece of paper. Yeah. So you know that. No, totally. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I, I could kind of tell, I was like, oh, that's such an early Instagram filter uh, moment, but it's perfect. And oh, little Yeti, that's the most adorable photo I've ever seen. I'm sorry, or you have to put this in the show notes so that yep, it will everyone be. can see posted in the Discord um, because this is this is honestly too cute for words. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so I, I don't want to like totally shit on, on Apple Photos. I just feel like, it is one of those things where if I'm trying to find a photo in Australia or something, it can get me in the general vicinity, but then I've got to like cycle through a ton of them. Um, sure. I don't know. I mean, it's fine. I just don't think it's anything like groundbreaking. I guess for me, the big thing is like, and I think this is probably true for a lot of people. I take a lot of photos and I do very little to actually ever go through them again yeah. or call them down. Well, that's where AI weird. is super handy. Right, right. And it used to be, and, and that is one thing that I do think that like Apple's things of like trying to find the best shot. I usually, um, I sometimes agree with that. I sometimes absolutely do not. It's not one of those things I really like to trust. Um, but this is one of those things that I think it, it's weird. And I wonder if people do this and I'd be curious to hear from listeners. Like back in the day, I used to use like iPhoto and, and Aperture 
to you know go through and really kind of cull my photos and really sort of you know be conscientious about like all the ones that I took and really try to organize them now no like I I take them I carry them from phone to phone to phone um my, my iCloud I think I go all the way back to like an iPhone 5 is is where the first um at least for my uploads go I've got like previous uploads to that somewhere but like in my my but they're they're not in the iPhoto library or photos library. They're like in a different place. But I, you know, whenever they introduced, you know, that kind of iteration or thing of, of iCloud, like literally going back to like the iPhone five is where I kind of start. And I'm like, yep, every photo that I've taken from this point forward is here. And I can kind of go through them. I can kind of not, I will say like the, the widgets in iOS that'll like pop up and show you like recent photo things, like you said, those can be kind of cool, although sometimes I just see like weird photos that I've taken of my face, and I'm like, I don't want to see this. <laughs> you, um, you would think their machine learning could detect good photos. You would, you would think, or maybe they, I don't know, maybe, maybe you would know, like, yeah, you take a bunch of selfies because you were sending stuff through <laughs> Snapchat or Instagram or whatever, and like, you don't want to see this again. Like, that's that, that's the weird thing, and I don't know if any of the photo apps have kind of accounted for that, but like in this age of like Snapchat and 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 Instagram's um, uh, direct messages and stories and things like that, like you take these kind of ephemeral photos, and if you have the settings set on your phone as I do to like save those things, then they're captured, and you're like okay, this was just like a weird one-off thing. I don't remember the context. Like now this is showing up on my iPad sure. for like a, for like two days. And I'm like, don't show me that. I don't want to see that. I used to put keywords. I used to actually go through and like actually tag images and really. Right. Yeah, me too. Create albums. And I had like yes. I had Flickr going pretty strong. Like uh -huh. I used to create uh, separate albums for all kinds of events. And me too. I even wrote Jekyll plugins for embedding Flickr galleries. And I just kind of stopped. I stopped really using Flickr. I still pay for like a premium I Flickr do. account. I do too. I, I was going to say, I still pay for, for a premium Flickr account. I haven't used it in years, you know, and, and smug mug bought them and, um, you know, they're trying to kind of keep it, you know, going, but, uh, you know, who knows how long that's going to last. If, if um, you ever need it, I have scripts to download all of the original photos from Flickr. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Somebody has like, there's like a, there's like a YouTube DL, but for images. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so, I think I, yeah. I can't remember if my script actually is all original. Like my Jekyll plugins do, you know, it's all custom code, but I think the script I have for backing up uh, Flickr, I used to run it on a, like a regular cron job. And I don't, I don't think I wrote the whole thing. I think there's existing tools for it. Yeah. I have so many photos. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm absentmindedly scrolling through years worth of photos here. Yeah. I have stuff dating back to iPhone. I want to say there was a point where I had a Drobo crash and I lost like two years of my digital life. And honestly, I don't care anymore, but in that moment, it felt like quite a, quite a loss And Drobo's tech support was like, nope, that's gone. It was not cool. Yeah, I remember you. I remember you saying this, and there were actually a lot of people who had that issue with Drobo. Um, is Drobo even around any, anymore? No, I, I really don't think so. And like, my parents have an old transporter of mine, 
and mm-hmm. it's no they longer went out, they, updated. They, yeah, well, Transporter went out of business, or, or they were sold to someone, um, but it still worked for a while. Yeah. I loved Transporter. That was good stuff. There were a few uh, little devices like the Transporter, but, I mean, really, if you're going to do it right, you're going to get a Synology. I was going to say, you're going to get a Synology or or a QNAP. Uh, QNAP is good, too. What's a QNAP? Um, uh, it, it's it's also a NAS brand similar to Synology, so they're like probably Synology's biggest competitor in like the you know um, home small business NAS space, and they're also very good. Um, we've had Synologies for years, but I've I've reviewed and have used QNAP stuff, and and for certain purposes, I think people can maybe do better financially with with a QNAP depending on their needs. But um, the prices are not that different; they're they're pretty comparable. And and I read a lot of NAS reviews and and kind of depending on what you want kind of varies which one. But well, the real uh, yeah. expense is buying the hard drives. And, yes, and keeping in mind that hard drives have a limited life. You have to be prepared to replace your hard drives, so it's an ongoing expense to run a good NAS. It is. It is. I mean, that was actually the issue that we had with ours at one point was that um, our. Uh, our drive started failing and we had a couple of them fail at once. And we had to do one of those things where we had to like, um, kind of buy a second NAS to <laughs> kind of offload stuff so that we like wouldn't lose everything because oh like the raid God. was failing. Yeah. Suck. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, we, we managed to kind of save it and rebuild it, but yeah, it was one of those things. And, um, and I should say here, I mean, I kind of can't complain because, I had a, a Synology and we're going to replace it. I've actually been searching for, and this is why I mentioned QNAP because I've actually been in the process for the last couple of months of researching um, different NAS options because we had a Synology 1813 plus, which is like their eight bay unit. And it's great, but at this point, you know, it's old and um, it still works, you know, for a good storage thing, but in terms of like for Plex or other stuff, like we have to use other servers and other front ends like to, to do it. And I would really like to just, have the NAS kind of do everything um, and, and have something that's a little bit more powerful. But uh, the thing is um, the, um, I can't talk, uh, some of the drives, you know, died, but, but the, the thing is, is Synology had been kind enough and this was like 2013, they sent me that unit and all the drives, which was a massive gift. Like as a like, loaner? No. What? No, no, they just like gave it to me. What? I know. Why? Are you special? Uh, apparently, I was to them. Standard customer support. I, I don't know. I mean, apparently, like I, I guess I. <laughs> that's hell nice. Hell, I know to be totally honest. That's well, that's what I'm cool. saying, and it was very cool, and and like that's never gonna happen again. And I actually feel like, uh, and I'm not sure if this was 100% the reason why. Um, uh, it, it probably wasn't, but it was one of those things where I mentioned the accidental tech podcast to the person who walked, hmm. who worked at Synology and all of those hosts got Synologies too <laughs> with drives. And, but honestly, which was probably one of the best investments Synology ever made because those guys talk about it like all the time and still use, you know, them to varying degrees or have bought new ones. So like that paid dividends, I'm sure like way more than like giving me mine. Right. Like, I, I, I will, I, I reviewed it. I'll make a mention here and there. I will always sing their praises and not because they gave it to me for free, but because I've literally had this unit working and in like commission other than having to replace drives here and there. Like it has been working. The software still updated. 
Um, it is a great unit. Like we, we bought, and we've since then bought other ones. So, you know, I'm not like on the, on, on the payroll or whatever, but it was one of those things, uh, cause there's plenty of companies have sent me shit that, um, very kind of them to, uh, didn't want it back that like, I don't talk about cause I'm like, yeah, that was a thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're Synology. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm like, I've used this for years and years and years and, and I'm a big fan, but like they more than got their money's worth, you know, giving, you know, $2,000 plus, you know, loaded systems to the ATP hosts. Me, probably not so much, but the ATP hosts, they totally got their money's worth. I'm trying to remember what year mine is. It's, I'm looking at the info page, basic information. It doesn't have the model number on it. I know for a fact that the model number includes the year. So. It does. It does. So the last two digits, it's like, you know, 15, 18, you know, um, like I think the new ones are 20. Maybe oh, 21. here it is. It's an 18. So it's not too old. Nice. This is no, a not recent at all. purchase. Mm -hmm. I love this thing. I really do. Synology, uh, I'm, I'm putting a timestamp in here so they can, uh, I'll link them to this. Um, Synology, I love you and you should sponsor our podcast. You totally should sponsor our podcast, like genuinely, because we love you. Disk Manager also, this is what's funny. I really like Disk Manager. They're um, kind of like, um, you know, Linux-based uh, kind of interface thing mm -hmm. that they have. And what's funny is that people have, like, found a way to get Disk Manager to work with non-Synology products, albeit like very unofficially. But that to me is kind of a testament to how good Synology stuff is that like cheapskates, like let's just be real, are like wanting to be like, oh, I, I can build my own for less than this, but then they don't have the interface, you know, that they could, yeah. they could do with it. And like, that's the reality. It's like, could you build a computer and put more drives in it and, and have your own interface that would be less expensive than a Synology or QNAP or whatever, without a doubt, 100%. And if you really want to run your own home lab and, and really want to like control everything by all means, like you can have a ton of fun with that. For me, I don't really want to deal with all of that. And I really like how well the Synology stuff works with Macs, even though it is obviously not a Mac product. And Unlike Drobo, which I never used, but you are not the only person that I've heard from who had like catastrophic data failure from Drobo. Like I, I'm not even joking when I say I actually know five people that that happened to. I don't know if I've ever known anybody who, you know, that is that happened with this Synology I've, where I've it wasn't. I've never heard a uh, horror story about Synology data loss. No, me either. I mean, because the thing is, is that you will get an alert. So if your RAID is dying, like you're going to get an alert. Now, if you don't take it upon yourself to replace the drives or when multiple things are failing, you because what had happened, I think, is that the drives that, that you know, came in our unit were certain Seagate models that had some issues. Um, and this be based on some of the backblaze data and other things. Um, you know, so multiple ones are dying at once. Like, yeah, you might have to do what we do and like buy a less expensive secondary unit so that you can start backing stuff up and like cloning it so you can fix it and repair it. But you're going to get a warning. It's not going to be one of those things where it's just one day going to, going to lose all of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I get my health reports every, I think they come weekly. Yeah. Something um, like that. And I have a, a stack, a stack of, I think 10 gig hard drives waiting for their opportunity to save the day. When I can afford, when I have the extra money, I tend to buy extra hard drives uh, just because, you know, yes. once a drive fails, you don't want to be. 
No, that's the thing. Placing your Amazon order and hoping it gets there in time. No, totally. I mean, I am, well, and it's interesting. Amazon's actually pretty good, even with the pandemic and everything. You can usually get it fast enough. And (laughs) I'm now in a position, what? I think it was Mike Rose who posted uh, pictures of Amazon shipping hard drives with like, (laughs) basically naked with two pieces of those like filled air things in it. but entirely just sloshing around in the box oh no oh that's horrifying (laughs) yeah anyway that's yeah no that's not what you want um you don't want to order like naked drives that way and yeah i'm usually like i live in seattle so there are a lot of amazon distribution centers um that being said not that not that seattle people get amazon stuff any faster uh it just you know depends on where you are or whatever but yeah you definitely don't want to be in that position where like my drive is failing and how long do i have to do this or am i gonna have to run out to best buy or wherever and like buy something no speaking of amazon stuff i so this isn't like a perfect segue like i'm i'm a little shocked that this just happened that i just fell into this but so uh, if you take prescription meds, you're probably used to trips to the pharmacy, uh, probably used to waiting in line, uh, yep. wishing that filling your meds was more like shopping at home from Amazon. Um, well, hey, Amazon has a pharmacy now. Consider this. If you apply the convenience of Amazon's online shopping and home delivery, plus their insanely fast shipping times to your medication refills, I think we can all agree that sounds pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon Pharmacy delivers your medication directly to your door. So no more waiting in line at the pharmacy or even going to the pharmacy. You can have your doctor's office send your next prescription straight to Amazon Pharmacy, and it works with most insurance plans nationwide. Um, Amazon Prime members can save on prescription medication when not using insurance and get free two-day delivery. Learn more at amazon.com slash overtiredrx. That's amazon.com slash overtiredrx. I go check it out. If you get if you get a lot of meds, it's totally worth uh uh having them delivered to your door. Like I have one hundred percent. I have refills that happen like none of my I take five different meds and they all refill on different days. I, I'm the same way. And I have to go, I have to drive to the pharmacy and I go, I, I use a drive through pharmacy, but still I usually have to wait in line, a line of cars, pull up, deal with people through a window. And I mean, shit, I have to leave the house. That's bad enough. I don't, I, it's a pandemic. I should never have to leave the house. No. And then you sometimes run into the issue, at least I do, where the pharmacy is out of something or they don't have the oh, whole totally. thing. And so they make you go someplace else. So I seriously have a thing where I have, not only do I have like five different, prescri- five different prescriptions, but they could technically be filled at, like they're set to kind of be refilled at different places. So then I have to like <laughs> manually, like in the app, like either call the pharmacy to transfer it over or go to a different pharmacy to pick them up. So having your stuff delivered is great. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that with the, the Amazon prescription stuff, I'm pretty sure that it also works because a lot of um, insurance companies will let you get like multiple months at once for certain types of drugs. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that works that way too. Not for so you stimulants. Could just... No, I, I, no, not for stimulants. I don't know if stimulants can be delivered by mail. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I haven't tried it. Uh, I'm pretty sure they can't, but uh, I think for like anything else, I did like, try like your ordering, antidepressant could. 
did try ordering Vivance from a, a dark web Bitcoin place, but it was a total yeah. scam. I got ripped off. Yeah, this, you, this you was got, like during um, my two years without medication and I was desperate. Yeah. Weren't you getting pro vigil that way too? Yeah. I was getting new vigil to, to be fair. New vigil. It, it wasn't yeah. as good. No, it's not as good. That was, that was their attempt to extend the patent, um, <laughs> before it went generic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I surprised you, you remember that. that. I just, I barely remembered that until just now. Those, those dark days. Cause I remember us talking about, cause I considered it. I was like, is this what I'm going to use the dark web for? <laughs> like, like a psychiatric medication that is too expensive for me to get, even though I have insurance and a prescription. Is this what I'm going to do? Don't is this what have, America is? Don't you have like Bitcoin savings? Didn't you like buy some as part of a, a piece you were yes. writing and then just forget about yes. it? No, they made me sell it. Oh, but you got to yeah. keep the money. Well, yeah, and then I had to pay taxes on it or whatever. But when I sold it, I sold it like – so I bought it like $10 a coin. Uh, and I sold and like my you know investment – I think at that point it, it had maybe gone up to like – I don't remember how much it was. Maybe, maybe $100 a coin, maybe $80 a coin. I don't remember what it was. It went up, but it wasn't – it didn't go up to the point where it was like any – I mean it was – I made a profit to be clear, but I didn't make a profit like I would have now. Yeah. And it, it was actually funny because – I was at a wedding a couple of years ago. My best friend Allie got married and Jim, my um, former boss, was there. And this was the last time that Bitcoin hit really big. This was so this was like 2017. And um, <laughs> it was so funny because we were all talking and we were all talking about Bitcoin. Uh, it was it was like me and it was Jim and it was some other people we used to work with and it was some of his former colleagues. And and he and uh, we were all talking about how crazy it was. And as I looked at Jim and I was like, Remember when you made me sell Bitcoin because you said it'd be a conflict of interest, <laughs> even though I didn't actually cover cryptocurrency? And the look on his face, he like went white. He was like, how many did you have? I was like, I had like 15 coins, Jim. And he was like, I am so sorry. I had a friend who, who invested early on in Bitcoin and became a millionaire and was living high on the hog and then decided to reinvest and lost his millions. I should say like millionaire, but just barely over the million mark. Right. But still, that's so much more money than I've ever had. Uh, yeah. And then it, it would it would suck to have that and then lose it. Have solace with myself about um, the fact that I had to sell was that I bought it from Mt. Gox because that was the like Coinbase of its time. Cause this was like, I wrote the piece in like, like 2012, I think. So there weren't a lot, I mean, there weren't a lot of exchanges like Mount Gox was the big place and I kept it in Mount Gox. Um, and I sold it and look, there's a slight chance that I might've been smart enough to have it in a, a hard wallet, but yeah. I'm just going to be real because it was that small of an investment. I probably wouldn't have. And so when Mt. Gox was hacked or whatever the hell happened to it, I would have lost it all anyway. So that's how I like try to soothe myself that especially now that it's, I don't even know what it is. It, it was, it was over $30,000 a coin at one point. And then at that point I'm like, Ugh. cause yeah, 30,000 <laughs> times 15. Like, I don't like, that's like a half a million dollars. Like, I don't want to, 
that's like that. You know, like that's yeah. more money. Th- yeah. So I don't like to go down those types of things. Um, it'd be like, great. I made 800 bucks, like, you know, or whatever it was, but, um, it, it is what it is. Uh, so I would have lost it. I think regardless the people I feel for like Leo Laporte had a bunch of Bitcoin that he got even cheaper than I did. And they're locked away on a hard drive because he can't, he doesn't remember his password. So it's, <laughs> it's, you know, blocked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would suck. Oh man. Yeah. There's there. Yeah, there's this great New York Times article from a couple of weeks ago. We'll link it in the show notes where they talk to people who had like forgotten their their passwords. And like this one guy, he has like a Trezor wallet or like a um, like a, a device wallet where you know you only have a certain number of, of tries with the passwords. And he's got like two more attempts. And and what's there? It's, it's like it's like millions of dollars. Oh, I, did, I and, saw that as like a, a a clip. I didn't read the article, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing that will make you feel a little bit better about that is that almost all the people they talk to, okay, they've they've you know been locked out of their fortunes or whatnot, but most of them have reinvested and have made plenty of money other places. So you know, it's not like the end of the world because that would be one of those things where I would like read that and be like, oh my god, like can you imagine? How have you, you not? If you were homeless, homeless, knowing <sighs> that if only you had remembered your password, <laughs> you would be. You would not only have a home, you'd be rich. And instead, you're destitute. That would suck. That would completely suck. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, that article was from a couple of weeks ago, and it, it was very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. here we go. $220 million at the time that that article was written. I think it's probably higher now from this guy who he's a German-born programmer, Stefan Thomas, who lives in San Francisco. <laughs> $222 million. And so at this point, cause it's one of those things where if he doesn't guess it in time, then, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the way it'll work, it'll erase it. What I, I would, with, with that much money on the line, I would be doing everything I could to try to, um, make like a copy of that device yeah. so that you could, you know, like brute force a password combination over so time. Um, what exactly is it that gets, uh, locked away. I mean, like blockchain is supposed to have ledgers that, you know, verify everything. Isn't there a way to, what is it he can't recover exactly? Okay. So in his case, because, oh, and this would be, this is similar to Leo Laporte, except Leo Laporte didn't have a hardware device for it. It's like, you have to set up a private key to unlock, you know, your, um, you know, act or you have like a password passphrase or whatever that unlocks your private key that you need to match so that you can have access to your wallet and your different coins so that you can make transactions and prove that you own the block so that you can do things with those coins. And maybe they are spread across multiple blocks depending on how sure. it works. Okay. Um, so, so you need that hash phrase and, and it's, it's like highly encrypted. And so there, it's not easy to crack. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I don't even know, I think that the encryption that they use, I'm not even sure if it is technically like crackable now, like, it would be one of those things with the power of computing we have now, like it could potentially take years, take a thousand you know, years if not, to crack it. Right. To do it now. The, 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 the hope would be, okay, how fast do we get to quantum computing? Right. Uh, because if we had quantum, <laughs> well, no, because genuinely like if we have quantum, then quantum could potentially like solve those hashes and, and break into that stuff. The thing with um, this guy's thing, because, you know, his hash, it might have been like an actual password that he could remember um, that that he had, like for his his wallet. 
that hardware piece has like a, a, you know, it's kind of like an iPhone. Like you can only enter in a wrong password so many times and then it erases it and kind of holds everything hostage. And that's like a security device. Um, but I would think that potentially the, the, a, I would think maybe the security on that might not be as strict B if he used a, a, a common word passphrase, it might be something you could brute force more easily than, um, something else. The problem with that is again, like he only has so many tries and he doesn't want to blow them all. So, but if I were him and if I had like $200 million on the line, I would be like, okay, I'm going to talk with the Israeli companies that, um, uh, focal writer, I'm not even joking. Like the companies that did this stuff to the iPhone where, yeah. you know, they basically made a copy of the iPhone and then you could brute force, you know, the, uh, the, the pins to mm-hmm. get in. Like I would try to figure out, okay, how can I make a copy of this treasure of this device so that I can then try to brute force my way into it without like killing the physical device itself. Like that's what I would do. Uh, but this is like the downside. I think, well, there are lots of downsides. I think one, number one, use a damn password manager is, is rule right. number one, right? right? Like if you're going to be doing any of these things, use a password manager. Number two, I would never use like these types of hardware wallets only because, okay, it's one thing that he forgot his password and that's unfortunate, but what if the hardware component fails? Sure. Right. Like, which, which to me doesn't seem like a completely unlikely possibility. Cause a lot of times these are just kind of like Android based or, or other kind of, you know, um, you know, kind of electronic based things and they're, they're nice and they're convenient, but it's one of those things where I'm like, like most people who have like billions or hundreds of millions of Bitcoin, unlike this guy have what they call them in cold storage where they've printed out their long keys um, and hashes and they have them in like safe deposit boxes. And I think like the Winklevoss twins even have it where they have like part of keys in certain, in different places. <laughs> so you have to, you know, they have like multi-factor thing, but they have like literally billions of dollars in crypto. So I understand that at the same time, part of me, I'm like, if you have to go through all this trouble for this fake money, I don't know, maybe that's a sign. I think like, you should like, you should print should print your hash on like the back of the constitution and then have a national treasure like uh hunt like like get people to partake in like a whole national treasure hunt with 200 million dollars on the line i that would be fun that would be something an eccentric millionaire could uh billionaire you'd have to be a billionaire anyway how are we going to encrypt for quantum computing what's the future of encryption yeah, no, that's a, a fantastic question. Uh, our security models will have to change. And I, 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 so two of my friends are actually quantum researchers and um, uh, like, like that's what they have their PhDs in. And I've talked to them about that because it's really, it's a really interesting question. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I understand the idea of quantum computing and I've watched enough YouTube videos trying to like get a grasp on it but it's i i'm going it's it's going to happen mm-hmm. uh, quantum computers are going to happen and i am going to be left behind like i i'm too old to learn an entirely new paradigm i i am i'm a microchip guy and i probably will be until i die i hope that's not true but that is my fear I'm going to put a link in our show notes to you for Q sharp, which is, it's still kind of, and, and it is not actually related to C sharp. The, the naming is just Microsoft naming. Um, 
but it is like a develop. It's like a open source programming language for developing and running quantum algorithms. And it's like right now, because we don't, even though we don't have quantum computers, they're still trying to find ways to kind of interface with the idea of them and things that we have. It's pretty interesting. Um, if, if you've ever used Python, I mean, it, it's pretty similar to, to Python. So I'll put a link to that in, um, in our notes for people who might be interested in some of that stuff, because when I, uh, both Chris and Sarah, uh, work with Q sharp and, and work with, um, quantum stuff in general and, and, you know, like our physicists, uh, but also computer scientists and are cool. interesting people. So I, you like, I, I understand enough, like high level about it, like the low level stuff. I know, like it's over my head. I, but I understand the high level stuff, but I'm fortunate enough to play animal crossing and be in, in, um, Twitter threads with, uh, two, um, um, you know, um, quantum people. So I always, I think I have a grasp on it until I try to explain it to someone else. Right. And then I realized very quickly where all the holes in my, my understanding are. Yeah. I mean, I, but I think that's kind of the whole thing. It was interesting when I, I uh, gave a talk at Purdue a couple of years ago and they were kind enough to take me on a tour of the lab where they're trying to build part of a quantum computer. And um, so I was able to kind of see like the, um, you know, the, the different rooms where like, they're trying to build some of the materials and whatnot. And uh, it's really interesting. Do you want, can, can I switch topics? Please. I have good news on the Apple Big Sur front. Okay. Please, please tell me because I still have not upgraded. The last developer seed fixed Carabiner. Nice. Um, so you can run it without disabling SIP now. Thank God. And related, um, you, you know, better touch tool, right? I love Better Touch Tool. It's the, the best. The latest version of Better Touch Tool can do a hyper key all on its own. So it can treat your caps lock key. It can make it instead of caps lock, it holds down control shift option and command at the same time. And then if you just tap it without hitting any other keys, it functions as escape, which is basically all I really use Carabiner for. So now I, there. I'm I'm still it's still a little bit uh it's a new feature let's put it that way uh there's some kinks to work out but I'm excited that uh because I the hyper key all of the shortcuts I actually assign in the hyper key are in better touch tools so it's it's super cool that I could do it all in one place no I mean that's ideal that's ideal and I see in kind of our notes or whatever like you also managed to fix marked oh yeah so just to recap there was this thing in Big Sur where uh, whenever marked output a PDF uh, using technologies that worked fine in all previous operating systems, instead of outputting a vector PDF with selectable text, it would output a raster image that you couldn't zoom or select or anything. And it, it didn't make sense. And I, in order to fix it, I was uh, on this like months, months long quest to just completely uh, rewrite marks so it could circumvent this issue. And it was a huge task, and I was not even halfway through it when all of a sudden uh, an Apple update, when 11.2 went public, uh, it, it just suddenly worked, and I could put my rewrite on the back burner, and that was such a huge relief. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Like, 
that's because because I mean because you know you make some of your money off of um off of this and and you know like it's frustrating when stuff is broken and you're like how do I fix this am I gonna have to refactor and redo everything like am I gonna have to rethink the entire design of my application I got zero responses to any of my I did forum posts and feedbacks and I got I got nothing they fixed it see and that's they fixed it, which is great. But no, I mean, that's the frustrating thing to me, right? And I'm not saying like no company is perfect with this, but I do feel obviously disclosure. I work at Microsoft, uh, you know, but, um, and, and Microsoft is good and bad about this. The one thing I'll say, like we do have multiple feedback mechanisms that can sometimes be a problem because people don't know which way to use. But I will say by and large, you know, try to be responsive and at least try to like give a response like you've been heard, even if it isn't fixed or done the way people want. And what's frustrating to me sometimes with Apple stuff is that I know that they have really good people working there, but it is such a black box of like feedback going in and then no response or follow up until it'll be fixed or not. And and you don't really know why. Does, um, does Apple have developer advocates? They have developer relations, but they don't have advocates the way that like uh, we do and, and Google and Amazon do now. Yeah, that, they that... should. Yeah, they should. I'm gonna I'm gonna they suggest should. that I be a, a developer advocate for Apple. I'll take that gig. Yeah. I'll leave behind be my 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 plush life of indie developer, and I would I would I would pick up that mantle and I I I would make the sacrifice. I can do that. Yeah, no, I think you'd be great at that. And and I mean, I I think that that um. Well, and it's weird. I think that the DevRel for them falls under marketing, and and it varies from company to company. Uh, how that works. And I don't think that's not inherently a problem because I think marketing at Apple is actually very different from marketing at a lot of other places. I think that like they treat marketing as like a very high level discipline that is very closely tied to product. And a lot of people hear marketing, especially engineers, and they roll their eyes and they think that it's like bullshit or a lesser thing. And I, I think that's false on its face. But I think especially at a place like Apple, like their marketing people are very deeply connected with the product stuff. Yeah. But uh at like Microsoft, it's under engineering. Um, like we're we're not like part of the engineering teams, but like I'm classified as an engineer, and like we're we're not like under like we are ultimately in the Azure organization. And Scott Guthrie is my executive vice president, not um, Chris Capasella, who's the chief marketing officer. Um, I think at Google, it might be under engineering, but it's in a slightly different way. At some places, it's under product. Um, some places it's under marketing, it varies, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, yeah, I think that, that Apple should hire you as a developer advocate. I think you would actually be a perfect person for that, who could give them feedback, who could also help communicate with the public, like what's going on. Cause, and, and that's the thing that I think would be at least how they're currently run kind of an anathema to it, which is you have people who are more public facing, who are talking about stuff. And certainly you have people at Apple who do some of that and they're more open than they used to be. There are more blogs and, and some people are allowed to speak more at events and that sort of thing, but it's not like a a super common, you know, thing um, at at Apple where, you know, you have a lot of people speaking on the outside um, about the company or about things people are doing, or even about, you know, kind of tangentially related stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it's all very totally. like, like, oh, no, we are not going to publicly talk about this unless we're one of the few teams that has a blog post. Right. OK, well, it, it's, and it's like, I don't know, I, I I obviously come from a place of bias here uh, because my past has been as a journalist who has often tried to get those messages out to people 
and then now as as an advocate who again tries to get those messages out to people but also tries to get that feedback back to the product teams i'm a big fan of transparency just in general that's kind of my personal mo i understand there are reasons you can't always be transparent because a people can't always handle it and b it's not always in in your interest to to do so but i think they'd be better just to like let people know what the score is or at least acknowledge we hear you like it's awesome that they fixed whatever the issue was I bet that you would feel better if you knew, was it something that I did or was this something that was broken in um, Big Sur? Like, to me, that would be the thing that would drive me nuts. It, yeah, it was it was definitely a Big Sur issue uh, because the version of Mark that I tested with was the like a build from a previous version that it was not working on. And then the update ran and then it was working. Right. No, totally. And, and, and so clearly they'd change something, but you know what I mean? Like, but to know like, okay, was, did they have to change something on their end or right. was like, or, you I know would what I mean? love to know why it broke to begin with in what world should a print to PDF function ever output a raster image? Like, why was that right. even possible? Right. Right. And, and I mean, and, and the, the real answer might be, they made some changes for some other reasons and it wound up having a side effect of breaking things that, that, you know, had issues for third parties and whatnot. And, and they decided to either revert it or, or fix it, you know, in some other way. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and like that is a completely common thing. You know, you make a change to refactor to do something and you don't realize all the, the consequences it can have. And that's why you need users and especially developers to file feedback so that you can know that stuff. But I don't know, it just feels like it'd be, if you knew, like if you had an acknowledgement of like why it was broken, like, you know, you don't need a whole post-mortem on, I'm not saying that, but it, it would be good. Or at least, at least if there was like a way who, cause to me, I think the bigger thing is like you file, cause I, this runs uh, happens to me and this is more with user facing stuff, not with a lot of the API stuff. And it's like, I file a, a radar, excuse me, a feedback and it goes into a black hole. And I don't know if it's been seen and I don't know if it's been acknowledged and maybe it'll wind up being fixed and maybe it won't, but I just kind of put it out there. And it's like, even if it were fake, just like sort of a check mark that's like, we've seen this would placate me. Even if, even if it was all a facade, I'm not going to lie. Like give me the warm, fuzzy feeling that at least someone has read this. Yeah. Or uh, to me, like maybe it's not in your best interest to be transparent, but you should at least pretend. Yes, this is all I'm saying. Just it, even if it, you're not really being transparent, fake it um, because that goes a long way. But so uh, random aside. Yes. Like speaking of developer relations, I have this project called MD less and it's this silly little script I wrote quite a while ago. Let's see. When was this last updated? Uh, 17 months ago, originally six years ago. Wow. Yeah, this is like a services thing, right? No, it's a it's a command line tool that is like a replacement for your pager, like less or more. Okay. Um, and it it does it it syntax highlights Markdown. It doesn't nice. render it, but it will basically format it for, uh, for the screen for the terminal, and uh, it was a. It was a little passion project, and there are probably better tools since then that that do it well. But for some reason, it suddenly gained a lot of users. And I, I have 34 closed issues, but I have 19 open issues right now, and every one of them is 
you know, a, a half hour fix. And I just, I, I need to turn this repo over to someone who still gets a shit. All these people, like, it's just a tool for like previewing your markdown because obviously you're writing it to go somewhere like GitHub or into, into right. Marked or something. Like, it's just a way to like get a quick look at your markdown and people are very much pushing it to its limit. Anyway, so I shouldn't even be talking about it. I don't need it to get any more popular. Well, I mean, but that could actually be a thing. I mean, is it on GitHub? Where is it? Yeah. Where is it living right now? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing there would just be to create an issue and and call for maintainers you know, and just like full out say, I need a new maintainer for this. I need to hand this off. Good call. I should do that. Yeah. I did that with uh, uh, the Sublime text package I wrote for Markdown. Uh, it was called, cleverly enough, Markdown Editing. Um, hmm. And it included uh, some cool themes and... It was a very like opinionated package that basically just made things work the way I wanted to uh, and with all the markdown editing shortcuts and everything. And I, it started getting popular and I it did everything I wanted it to and I wasn't prepared to add any other people's stuff to it. So right. I did. I, I ended up turning the repo over to, uh, I can't remember his name. But he took over and he's he's maintained it. He's added a lot to it. And I still have uh, like push permission on it, but I, I don't anymore. So, yeah, I mean, that works. I envy like I'll probably turn my envy alt repo over to uh, someone who cares to maintain it at some point, too. Yeah. After envy ultra is out. Yeah, which I think would be great, and that that would make like people happy. And if some if it's enough people are using, you know, this this um, uh, Mark Less um, tool, um, then and and you you don't have the time or the energy to maintain it, and you don't want it to like to take on like the burden. Yeah, I think just call put put a call up for for a new maintainer, and and hopefully somebody will step up. I think that's kind of the great thing about open source. I have a hundred and four re repositories on GitHub. That's amazing. And almost every one of them is an actual project that. See, most that of mine functions. are not. That's the thing. I don't know how many um, repos I have. Um, I have. See. I have a tool called Reiki, um, that is a like R E I K I, like the the healing art. But yeah, it it, it it's a shortcut for rake, uh, like the Ruby Ruby version of make. And you can just type R and then it'll fuzzy match the commands and create like with rake, you, you, you type things like rake, uh, build. And then in square brackets, you put like CSS to build like just your CSS. This is if you're, if you're not using gulp, like a good person. Right. Um, right. And, uh, rake means with Reiki, you just type R B and then uh like colon css and it would it would run that command for you and it, it has auto completion or everything i honestly don't know the commands anymore uh to run most of my rake tasks because reiki has made everything so simple i highly recommend reiki i'm gonna link it in the show notes link it link it there i have 37 github repos uh in my personal thing and so. how many how many of them are worth me downloading zero. Oh. I would recommend probably 80 out of 104 of mine. You could have a lot yeah, of fun Yeah, so, so yours are good. Now, I'll tell you what is good of mine. So my, my repos are not worth downloading. 
what is worth what is worth looking at me for and i've heard this from multiple people my stars are lit <laughs> i star really good shit are so, you film girl on github i am but no underscore because they don't allow underscores oh okay let's let's look at christina's repositories you have a tm a themes repository is that a mirror uh no that's mine you're awesome yeah, I, I, I like created that one and um, a lot of it was things from other people and I actually created it for a Mashable article I wrote in like 2010 or something or 2011. And uh, yeah, it, it's remarkable. it was remarkably popular for a really long time. Um, that's like the most popular thing um, that, that I've done on, on a, a GitHub. I have some bookmarkers. It's just some work stuff, some stuff that's not public. Um, but if you look at my stars, yeah. my stars is... Sorry, go on. Does this number 1.6 thousand, is that the number of things you've starred or is that how many people have starred your stuff? No, that's how many things I've starred. Jesus. I know. So I, I could do some culling, but if you just like go through like the, the top thing, like it's it's good. Like I, I, I find good things and I star that. You, so. you should set up a feed. You could like have an, a curated newsletter of just your Ooh. latest GitHub repo stuff. You could use... I uh, like that. Did we talk about Cindy at all? We did. We talked about Cindy. Yeah. So you I could, could use Cindy. tie Cindy. it in. Yeah. I actually really like that idea. I like that a lot. I also like the idea of just having a feed that I could have on like the website. I've, I've been in this process. We'll talk about another episode. We're running out of time. But I've been working on for a long time. Like I'm rebuilding like a whole web presence. And it's been taking a while because I've been wanting to really figure out how I want to do it the right way. But I would actually really like to have a feed of just my GitHub stars because my stars are good. Like I do find cool projects that I then do. And like my, uh, you know, Justin Williams. Yeah. Okay, well, Justin, um, uh, who's literally like my twin. <laughs> he, I, I sent out my first marked newsletter using Sendy, and it was basically just plain text. And he wrote back immediately. He's like, that is the most Brett Terpstra newsletter I've ever gotten. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> so, so Justin and I are actually remarkably, like he's the male version of me. It's actually quite freaky. He's two days older than me. We are incredibly similar on so many levels. It's it's uncanny. But anyway, he frequently texts me. And he's not the only person who's done this who's like, I really enjoy following you on GitHub because the stuff that you star, you find some really good stuff. And I'm like, thank you. I I, I think so. You know, like I don't like I, that was never kind of like my like goal with that. It's just. You know, I kind of use it as a place where I'm like, oh, I like this project. And then I do search my my starred packet, my starred repositories, you know, from time to time, because I'll be like, what was that thing? And that's why I star a bunch of stuff. So I'm like, so how do you how do you find all this stuff? What's your uh, what's your source? It varies. Hacker News is a big one. Yeah, sometimes it's sometimes it's the Explore page within GitHub. Sometimes it's other things. Hacker News, though, is honestly a big one, if I'm being honest. Yeah, there's actually uh, a cool iPhone app. I would have to, let's see, it might be in my reading folder right now. Read, um, no, maybe not. But there's a cool iPhone app that, and I think it just pulls like based on stars, like most currently popular stuff. But I find a lot of, uh, I find, I'll, I'll, I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes. It's, I find something cool every time I open it. That's awesome. Cloud advice, senior cloud advocate by day, pop culture nerd at night. Yep. 
I'm 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 creating a pinboard bookmark for your starred feed. Nice. Because I'm gonna steal stuff from you and use it for my web excursions on my blog. You should. Honestly, it'd be great for that because there and there have been so many things that I've brought up on the pod that have been things like GitHub projects that have yeah, been things I that see, I've like. I see tab yeah. FS in here and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And like um there's there's some interesting things. Um like uh what was what was an interesting one? Uh yeah, tab FS was there. So there's rgb.net uh, and open rgb so cuz i'm in the process of building the pc and i want to make it all rgbified but all pc components have like this won't appeal to you but this might appeal to some people all the components argb is a big thing and although most of them will use open argb or addressable rgb headers on on motherboards some of them use their own proprietary controllers that then go into those headers and most of them have their own software stacks that you need to control the lights, which is a fucking pain in the ass because if you have different brand of lights for your fans versus like your, you know, cooler versus something else, and or maybe you have something built into your case and you want them all to work, but you don't want to have like three programs running so that you can control like your lights. So there is this uh, program, um, Open RGB, that is basically kind of like reverse engineered or found APIs into all of those things. So they've created one interface to be able to control all the lights from all these different controllers, which is interesting. Um, RGB.net is another one. Nice. And um, uh, liquid. Uh, there's also one called Artemis. Yeah, there, there are like a bunch of, of, of things. I kind of went down that rabbit hole. Um, a couple days ago as I've been, I'm still trying to find a, a damn CPU. So if anybody has a, a hookup on a 5,800X or 5,900X AMD chip, let me know in the discord, but um, uh, that'll be a fun topic for the future when uh, we can talk about uh, Christina's adventures in um, hardware building. Um, although like it, I haven't done this in forever, but it's so much easier than it used to be that it's very, it's very sweet. And I in no way want to like, uh, I'm not trying to like pick on or or say anything to any of the many, many, many nice men who have talked to me about PC building because I, I very much appreciate them. But the level of mansplaining mm, has I been, I, well, it's just funny to me because I'm like, because I've been saying, Kavi, I'm like, I haven't done this in a while. But I think people hear that as like, you've never done this before. And, I'm, and I want to be like, okay, but it's way easier now. Like I don't have to short motherboard pens anymore. And, you know, and and like... You have a lot easier components and, you know, it, it's, it's, it's easier than it used to be. So it literally is just plugging Legos at this point. So, um, I, I, but I'm excited to do it because who doesn't want to play with Legos as an adult, but, uh, yeah. Oh but some of the, the, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, no, go there, on. there's this, uh, you know, Lego, Lego has these, uh, kind of contests to, yes. If you if you get like ten thousand votes, you you get to make an official Lego set, right? And this dude built uh, an entire replica of Fraser's apartment. Yes. I, yeah. I'll, what are they- I'll link this. He only has like two thousand votes right now. I I'm sorry, I derailed everything we were talking about, but we're also no, out of time. So we are also out of time. I was gonna say, um, I got the the Friends set that they did from that series. Nice. Because they somebody created like a uh, central perk. Um, <laughs> and, and so they, they did that one and also Sesame street. But yeah, I really hope the Frasier one comes to life. Yeah. The Frasier, like, I guess, cause I'm currently like watching all of Frasier again. So it's the one that matters right. most to me. 
Um, and, and I think I'm, I might be alone in that. I don't, I don't know if anyone out there loves Frasier as much as I do right now. Okay. Actually, you're not the only, I've heard this from so many people, like I, I, because it's, it's come back, you know, on, on a number of different, um, uh, like platform streaming platforms or whatever, but I've actually heard from a large number of people, um, that they like have gotten into Frasier the first time or have gotten back into Frasier. So no, you're not alone. Good to know. Good to know. It's had kind of, it's had kind of, um, Lego ideas. That's what the program's called. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll find a link to to both the contest and this particular set. <sighs> Ferdy. I just found this uh this app through your 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 stars that we'll talk about next time if it's any good. Yep. All right. Well, Jesus, I I uh I pulled off a long episode considering like zero sleep. Totally. Maybe I don't know if it was good. I really can't tell. Yeah, let us know in the Discord. Also, thank you in the Discord for people um, who've worked on election stuff for validating my fears of um, electronic voting machines. I appreciate you. Uh, that makes me both like feel maybe more paranoid, but also like less paranoid. Like I don't feel uh, not more paranoid. It makes me feel maybe like more worried, but also less paranoid. So I, I my my fears of election um, machines or electronic voting machines don't seem like a crazy person's. So appreciate that from you. Oh um, man, there's a whole conversation in here I'm behind on. Yeah, I uh I, I'm trying to be more active in the Discord. So. I love that. I love that for you. Yeah, me too. That's great. I appreciate it. I'm trying to keep a community going. It's yeah, no, same. And I'm sorry that I hadn't both really involved. It for sure, and I'm sorry that I haven't been um, uh, up until now. But I, I will be. Um, I'm going to make a, a very like concerted effort going forward because I like to connect with people who listen to us, and I would like to learn new things and meet new people. So, um, but yeah, we've been going on for a while, and I have to get to a meeting, and you have to hopefully get some sleep. Yes, I uh, I, I will get some sleep. Christina, get some sleep. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down now.